You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Federal Premium Ammunition and their new Centerfire Rifle Ammunition Terminal Ascent. Now, the Terminal Ascent has a slipstream polymer tip that helps flatten trajectories and initiates low-velocity expansion at longer ranges. The Terminal Ascent gives you match-grade long-range accuracy in a bonded hunting bullet and it comes in a variety of cartridges including the 6.5 Creedmoor, the 280 Ackley Improved, the 28 Nosler, the 7mm Remington Mag 30-06 and the 300 Win Mag. If you want to find more information about the Terminal Ascent, visit federalpremium.com and while you're there, check out It's Federal Season, the official podcast of Federal Ammunition. Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. All right, guys, welcome back to Land and Legacy Podcast. Here we are. Live on the creek bank. <laughs> like literally live on the creek bank. And I think it's super refreshing. Hot summer day. That's Hitting right. Down in the bottom. Can they, Adam, can, can they hear this? Toes. There you go. Yeah. That was the proof. Toes <laughs> in the was, water. That was proof that we're out here. We're out here in the creek. So it's hot. It's warm. It's it's mid-July and it's just hot. There's There's little refuge. Not much wind blowing. And so the coolest places get in the shade by the creek. And I love it. That's maybe South Central. I've been Missouri. sitting here going, you know, it's cool down here in the bottom, but when the breeze ain't blowing, it is just like it's still stale. Stagnant. However, it could be way worse <laughs> <laughs> elsewhere. Up yes. there filming on top, that was that was that hot. was pretty awful. Hot, yep. hot, hot, hot. Yep. And so anyway, we're on the creek bank here, or actually at Seth Harker's yep farm here, um, which will be here quite a bit this fall. Yep. Um, but you'll you'll hear a little bit more on the other podcast, kind of about some some situations, some fun stuff. Um, but yeah, no, we're, we're we're excited to be here, and I think that this podcast is going to be I don't know eye opening, some some potential of um, some of the uh, I'm dragging around here trying to help Adam out get a hat on here. Um, the sun came out. <laughs> Got to protect the eyes. I'm a, I'm super looking forward to the message that is going to be shared in the podcast day. We've got yeah. a guest, a friend, a companion, a colleague, and 
there's some new stuff happening in the world. <laughs> you know, okay. Well, what else Bef- would you expect Bef- for before 2020? Before we introduce right? him, before yeah. we, yeah. You know, it's 2020. It's July of 2020. Some of us are like, oh, my goodness. When is December? When is the sun going to shine again? <laughs> um, and, and by that, I mean a figuratively uh, sun in the sky. Yeah. You know, uh, we're, we're talking hope. Hope. <laughs> positivity. Yeah. Um, inspiration. Oppor- all the opportunity, s- opportunity, <laughs> um, and and we have your answer. We have we have your answer. If you're a person who loves uh, working on land, improving land, and uh, and and getting inspired by your work or getting motivated by your good work, um, and feeling like you have an impact and feeling like you can leave a positive impact on your farm, this is a podcast for you. I think that there's a lot of opportunity for people to grow and expand their impact after hearing this podcast. It's not just about the property that you're managing. It's about education, outreach, working together. And I think that that aspect of things, you might have 40 acres. That doesn't mean that you only impact 40 acres. That's right. So let's go ahead and we'll let you introduce yourself and and what you're and well, who you're with. And it's second time returning guest too. Okay. He's been on yeah. he's been on the podcast before, but have at it, man. Well, Adam and Matt, I appreciate it. I'm Hunter Pruitt. Um coming here for uh on behalf now of the National Wildlife Cooperative. Uh, it feels good to say that. How how good is that? Uh, that that's uh those that's words a, taste sweet coming out your lips. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This has uh been a long journey, uh two years in the making. Wow. Um a lot of just say it one more time for us. The the National Wildlife Cooperative. Woo. We are uh, a national wildlife organization um, focusing on aiding and growing and documenting wildlife cooperatives across the United States, landowners and local communities, and helping them with their wildlife and trying to make an impact on the ground um, in your local community. So that you sounds know, important. You, you said something there that, that is I, – I can look back four years ago of uh, – uh, when we first started Land and Legacy. And when you f- say it for the first couple of times, people are like, what is it? And you're like, oh, i got to explain this, man. <laughs> like, a little bit like, yeah. and now we've been doing Still it. Still figuring it out myself, but I'll try. <laughs> Four yeah. years later, you're like, oh, we're the Land and Legacy. And it's just this, like, this, this, this. yeah. And you, you just gain traction. You gain... Uh, um, recognition for, for sure. some Com- people follow and confidence so at the beginning stages is so fun. Uh, you know they, you know the phrase the wolf on the mountain isn't nearly as hungry on the as yeah. a wolf climbing the mountain. Oh yeah, and uh, we're still the wolf on the on the climbing, climbing the, the mountain. Climbing the yeah, mountain. We're still sure. very hungry. Hey, we're in the valley. So and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so as you that's that's why we did the lo- this location in the bottom of the creek yeah. bottom. Oh yeah. Just when you launch, this is I guess kind of an official launch week. And, uh, you know, more and more people are going to hear and check out the website, check you out, and, and, and just know what it is that you're doing. And uh, it'll it'll feel good, you know, four years from now to see what you've turned it into oh, yeah. and how we've helped. And, uh, man, I want to be here. Hopefully be a part because of it. Because this is a thing. It's not uh, – we'll get into it later in the podcast, and there goes a, a heron flying over us. Matt, sure. look out. He might drop something on you. Um, Thanks for not dropping the gift. <laughs> Appreciate it, sir. And so – you know, we it's this isn't about this species or that species or that species or that flower or no. whatever it is. No. This is about working together. I'll let you say it. Well, it's it's about working together for the future of wildlife. I mean, we 
I think that too many times we get in our own silos, whether it's for conservation or for, you know, hunting or, you know, just in whatever we do. And we, we get bogged down in that one single thing that we're so interested in. We forget the big picture and that, that big picture is managing landscapes um, in perpetuity, you know, in the way that they've been for thousands, millions of years. And I think that uh, this is a way that we can really connect landowners in the local, local community together across property boundaries to make a real difference for wildlife conservation, not just um, in the capital, but here um, in your backyard. I think I think that's super important. I think you hit on a couple of really, really great things. And the fact that you're managing, a po- we always talk about managing not the individual, but managing populations. This scale at which we're talking about, as in working collectively with neighbors, is directly impacting a population. Yes. Of a region, of an area. And it's not just within the property boundaries, how wildlife interact within your 40 acres or your or your 1,000 acres. That's, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about large-scale improvements, and it's done in a collective collaboration manner. I think that, obviously, 2020 has been a, a year of division, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this yeah. is this is a, a, a year where everyone can relate or, or, or find and see instances of that. But But here, this is, we're not caring about which wildlife, which plant communities, we're talking collectively making the land itself better and joining forces with neighbors around you to do it as a community. You do it, you have strength in numbers, and strength in numbers as not in just individuals, as as people, as landowners, but um, strength in numbers of acres, that impact is just far greater. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it goes back to looking at how these wildlife populations work, and you hit on it there a little bit. You know, humans created pop- property boundaries. Yes. Wildlife don't see property boundaries. They, I mean, in, in they a just sense, jump they, yeah, they just jump them. <laughs> they they, they cross them. Fans. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> wild animals um, yeah. do not. So I think that, that that's something, you know, whether it's, you know, a environmental factor that, that is because of, you know, maybe it's a fence line that has something mm-hmm, on it that is, mm-hmm. you know, aiding wildlife. But in, in general, they don't see, they don't know, they don't, they don't look at Q public. They don't look at map, aerial maps. They don't, right. they don't know these things. So being able to manage a, a wildlife species, it's been a, a struggle, you know, for state agencies. They look at this, these things for like connectivity and sure. those aspects um, when they're managing state level populations. So mm-hmm. not only looking at state level, we're looking at national level. I mean, being able to impact them through landowners on the ground forming co-ops documenting co-ops and then being here to aid them in that journey um you know i think that that's something that's definitely not been achieved on a national scale you have areas of success for sure Uh, i think that and we work with this every day adam helping that individual landowner work and improve that property and the impact that that we've been able to see that they've been able to witness experience has been extremely positive. So uh, if you look at the, that scale at which um, that individual has been working and improving and seeing that benefit, extrapolate that out, say it's a 100-acre property, multiply that by 10, multiply that by 100. Oh, yeah. Imagine that impact. Imagine that amount of ground positively you know, improved and managed you have diversity across the landscape and a landscape that affects populations, not just the individuals that you see on your trail camera. Yeah. We're talking large scale stuff. And the nice thing about that is when you have a landscape 
and you may have a cattle farmer. You may have somebody that's totally dedicated to wildlife. You may have somebody that is, um, you know, uh, row crops. Sure. You, you may have all these different competing interests is what you see from the outside. Yeah. But when you say, hey, we can manage this a certain way and help wildlife a little bit. We can manage this a certain way and help wildlife a little bit. And then you find the common ground and you start managing that entire area, that entire landscape as a um, with, with a wildlife interest. And not just for deer, not just for turkeys, not just for quail, but for a, a, a holistic approach um, yep. to that. I think that's um, where you can really see the benefit, not just short-term, but long-term. I mean, for your entire area, and you walk outside, and hey, I've improved my acres. My got, I've got a couple things I want to point on on that is you mentioned different species of wildlife, but then also ultimately what we're what what's in it for us or what we're looking at is trying to improve landscape health yes so deer will benefit quail will benefit butterflies will benefit grassland grasslands will benefit water quality will benefit so i as a deer hunter i've got my deer cap on today or turkey cap on so i come at it from a turkey hunting aspect of well i'm in it because i'm trying to do this but my sole purpose, if you were going to put it in a sentence or put it in a, a phrase, would be landscape health improvement. Yes. And I go to my neighbor who's not a hunter but also want landscape health improvement. I can get them in the co-op, even though they may not be doing it for the same reasons I'm doing it. But now we can work together for our our, our, uh, our shared goal. Yes. Yep. Now I have... A better, I have more weight. I have more traction because I don't come at it going, hey, we're really trying to grow and kill bigger deer. Hey, so-and-so person, and they're like, I'm not into hunting. I, I don't even like hunting. I don't want to be part of it. But if it's like, hey, we're just trying to manage our overall landscape health, and this is what we're doing, um, we have a better chance at landing those people into a, in a co-op to where we're doing a, if it's a smaller acreage, let's say, and it's the forest needs a thinning. But I don't own enough acreage to really attract a logger into the into the area. Now I build up an area, let's say it's two, three hundred acres, and it's like, but it's broken up into forty acre parcels. Now we can all work together and be like, hey, let's let's get somebody in here. I got I got five acres. I can I can I need cut. The other guy says I got fifteen. Now you're getting somewhere. Now yep. you're doing something, yeah. and and you have a patchwork design of diversity across the landscape. But I think. Like, and we kind of hit on this beginning of the podcast, but you know, with with a, a landscape approach or, or general just wildlife approach, not not a specific species of benefit to conserve, you have that opportunity to go to any neighbor. And and I think uh, it, I don't know I don't know why I feel like it's like bred into us, but you always just think like the worst of your neighbor, right? Yeah. Oh, they they're not on board. They're not this. They're not that. Well, have you talked to them? Oh. No, you haven't. How do you know? But if you go to them with an approach of not just not just quail focus, not just deer, not just wild turkey focus, hey, I just want to make this thing better. Here's how I'm doing it. Would you guys be interested in joining? We're not talking about hunting. We're not talking about necessarily having to exchange, exchange pictures. We're just talking making that landscape benefit and that help. And and the the massive byproduct of that is drastic changes in the wildlife yeah and i think what you're hitting on there is is kind of a a return to more active management on the ground being able to facilitate that through landowner connections and that's one of the biggest things that we see and we see across the landscape when you have these parcels that are broken up a lot of things whether it's forestry 
or tim- like timber harvest or even you know QDM or all these other you know management activities that require larger areas to be successful faster or to make a bigger impact those go by the wayside they're they're really not as effective as quickly as as they could have been when you buy a thousand acres or 500 acres or 200 acres so yeah. i think overcoming those boundaries and and that brings us back to one of the things you hit on you're talking about you know a landscape approach i think that's why we went with the name we did the the national wildlife cooperative mm-hmm. it's it's national it's for all wildlife and we're working cooperatively it makes perfectly good sense we're not in any silo of we have to be with deer turkey mm-hmm. quail whatever the species is we focus on that's great you know support them you want to help it you want we want to help everything as a whole in a holistic approach and and do that on a on a local level yeah and then connect people nationally that think the same um, because landowners are the backbone of wildlife conservation you can have um, they're spending them they're out there every day if they're if they're on the on the ground they're putting sweat sweat equity into these yeah. properties they're putting money their own money into them and it's going unnoticed yeah and 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 their voice is their voice seems to be getting smaller and smaller. Yes. Yep. And yet their financial support is one of the biggest. Correct. And their work makes some of the biggest impact, if no not doubt. the biggest. No doubt. One hundred and ten percent. And so here's my message to those people. We hear you. We see you. And we're doing something to work together and help you. And we haven't lost focus of, of you, and, and we want to help you. And by helping you, we want to help educate, figure out the, the problems that you face within your neighborhood, fix those problems to where you have better deer numbers or you have better turkey numbers. We all know that turkeys are scr- struggling in parts of the country. We all know that quail are certainly struggling. and with We all know deer can be better. We all know <laughs> yeah. deer could be better. And we all know that our habitat is poor. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's so many, so many phenomenal benefits that excite me about this because I believe wholeheartedly in the grassroots type approach to where we're going to work directly with these landowners. We're going to help them figure out, brainstorm ideas to make the biggest improvement. It could be, let's just say, a collective of uh, a collective amount of landowners in Illinois who were dealing with bush honeysuckle. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's like... We got to figure out something. Maybe it's maybe it's we're all going to go in and we're going to rent a skid steer and attachments, and we're going to start grinding all this up. And at the end of this, it it was it was more affordable for all of us to work together. Yeah, I, I can rent that skid steer, or we we collectively can rent the skid steer for a month with the right attachment. And and especially when you're managing vases, you do it on a fence line, and the neighbor on the other side hasn't done anything. Seed source, right there. Yep. You've got to work together for that big, uh, for that big approach. Yep. And I think that, you know, if, if I'm a landowner sitting in and listening to the podcast, I'm sitting here finally saying, yes, there is something that together is collecting multiple people's interests and interests that don't have to align to a T, but putting it together and saying, wow, this is refreshing because I've got something that I can be a, a part of that I will be able to extend to my neighbor that's bigger than me. It's not me coming to him and saying, hey, I'd like for you to get on board with what I'm doing. It's, hey, I'm part of a national organization who is who is trying to do X. Um, I'm a part of it. I think collectively in our neighborhood, it benefits us. You're one of several people I've gone to. Um, I'd like for you to 
you know, be open to the idea of yeah. becoming join a part us. of it. Yeah. Join, join, join us. Join us in the, in the good in fight. fight. Yeah. You know, you're a landowner. I'm a landowner. Um, I'm actively, I'm actively doing this, putting my interest. But you know, private landowners, there are a lot of you out there who That's who right. hold a lot of ground and impact yeah. across the country. This is something that people struggle with for a while, and, and it's you know, from a state agency standpoint or from a an NGO, whatever. I mean, the connectivity part is so hard. We look sure. at habitat loss. We look at um, you know barriers to movement. We mm-hmm. look at all these things that are causing species decline, species like population level declines right. across the United States and the world. Yeah. Um, but you know, more more or less focusing on the United States here with with our you know game species as a catalyst for this and the habitat in which they use. I think that's where we can really make the difference in strategic partnerships, and it helps you. I mean, this is not I'm going to send in my money and hope it goes where I want it to go. Yeah. This is I'm going to make a difference on my ground with my neighbor form relationship, relationships that could last a lifetime in the process and, and actually grow me closer to my community. Yeah. And by having a great byproduct in the end, that's that's what it's about. And I think that, you know, you, you always hear you have the, you know, your numbers, you have power in numbers, you know, in your ranks. And, and mm-hmm. I think that what we're really shooting at is power in acres because when you have, you know, this many acres across the landscape, not only are you helping wildlife, Whatever that species may be, you're helping, you know, the, the broader connectivity of that landscape. So I think that's that's kind of the driving force behind us is, is really to aid these cooperatives in forming and document the ones that are currently there. Um, nobody's nobody's can can tell you on a national scale where these cooperatives are. A lot of them fly under the radar. Sure. They, they are handshake deals across the fence line to to do to pro- provide better habitat for for their personal interests and it's just a hey we're going to do this and and hope it works um with some with little formalization mm-hmm. so i think it, this is a way to nationally formalize that it, it it is it's a way to nationally formalize it but but i don't want that to when, when you say like formalize it's not to like interfere or, or no, impede no. with it it's to again give join up a voice. And, yeah give yeah. a voice form a collective and say hey it could still be, even though it's formal, extremely informal yes. at the same time. It can 100%. be a point of, hey, we're doing this. You want to do this? All right, let's 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 sign up and 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 put some uh, put some maps together and see what we're doing, how we can yeah. help each other. So, Hunter, it's, talk a little bit about how they can find you, and then what's the next step? Yeah. So, so just initially, we're we are a uh, a website kind of virtual um, organization. You know, no no brick and mortar or anything. Sure. Um, it's nationalwildlifecoop.com. Your doors would be closed anyway. (laughs) Yeah, probably. (laughs) Um, but no, I, I think that, uh, being a national, a national virtual type, Mm -hmm. uh, organization that is there to document these cooperatives and aid them in in information. I mean, a lot of our information is on Mm nationalwildlifecoop.com. Um, and that's the way we're going to be able to disseminate information out through, through those channels, whether it's articles that are co-op cooperative centric you know yeah. how how are cooperatives affecting turkeys mm-hmm. how are they how are how are we needing to connect quail sure um you know what can we do from a deer management standpoint on these cooperatives and, and make that better or or different ideas about that um and how it interacts and then pollinators all these things mm-hmm. um providing information for landowners that, that want to start them so providing a kind of a, a rudimentary guide to where do we go i think a lot of people have this question, well, I don't have a cooperative specialist in my state. I don't have a, 
a person at the state agency that I work with. And a lot of landowners, believe it or not, don't want to have anything to do with the government. <laughs> I mean, yeah. just honestly. There, and there was some guy that's right a, there who listened to it and said, hey, man. That's, yeah, a, that's yeah. a whole other podcast yeah, that's yeah. coming down the pipe later on. But, but yeah. I think that's that's one of those things where you can really find those places that are that are flying under the radar. Mm-hmm. And even the ones that are working with the state, we want all of them. I mean, it's, yeah. it's we want to help and aid all of them, not just yeah. the ones that we, we want to account for them all. And say, hey, we we are you know as a population of cooperative, um, you know, cooperative members across the eastern you know or your whole United States, whatever it may be in the future. I think that's where you really start growing the ranks and say we have some 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 power in numbers and acres. And that's one thing that um, I think a lot of times we can lose focus of of going, you know. If I'm only managing 40 acres, what impact am I really having? And, you know, if you're doing the right stuff, you're restoring woodlands or whatever it is, yeah, you can notice more deer and stuff. But when it comes to, like, just look at National Wild Turkey Federation restocking. Mm -hmm. It requires to go into a new area. They're trying to require landowners uh, a significant amount of land. Somebody told me it was like fifteen thousand acres. Don't don't quote me on that, but mm-hmm. it's some. I, I believe that's what they said. So it takes a significant amount of land before they're even willing to restock turkey populations. Or if you look at uh, average home range or area of a white-tailed deer, it's probably greater than what most of us own. Yeah, um, and and even if we own. 2,000 acres, 3,000 acres, there's still deer that come in on the edge. Oh, yeah. And you're like, oh, I wish I, I wish I knew where that deer was going and know that he had he, what he needed or to express. I knew where he potential. was in the summer. I knew yeah. where he was in the winter. He stays on me part of the year yeah. and not the other yeah. part. So, I mean, yeah, for sure. Almost every single person listening to this podcast has has thought the idea of, man, I wish I had a neighbor. Or I wish I lived in a neighborhood that did what I was doing. And we have we have worked with landowners who is like, I really want to improve this, but, you know, I'm not sure I want my whole neighbor, all my neighbors to be doing what I'm doing. Well, yeah, you know, if you have a limited resource on your neighbor or on your farm and so the deer are attracted to it, sure, yeah, you're going to have more success. The idea that maybe they do all that and it's not so much a limited resource that your hunting's not going to be good, but you're going to have healthier deer, bigger deer, more deer. Um, you're going to have more chances. More I mean, chances. Way more chances. Uh, I would rather say, because there's always ingress, egress within a property. It doesn't matter the size, right? You just mentioned that. But if I have ingress, I want that ingress to be as the same quality that I'm producing on my property. For sure. The only way to do that is work collectively. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're going to have, uh, I mean, people that follow, you know, deer, deer biology know about, um, you know, recruitment and then, um, you know, one, at, eight, at 18 months, a lot of these yeah, bucks. dispersal. Dispersal. They disperse 100%. off that property and then you're getting what's coming down the road. So wouldn't you want what's coming down the road to be the same quality that you're sending off yeah. to then set up on you for the next four and a half years Absolutely. or five and a half years, whatever it is, whatever your goals are. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it, it makes common going. sense. Yeah. And it's one of those things where not only from a turkey side or from a deer side, but from a turkey population, you hit on it with the, the NWTF stocking. I mean, these, I look at these cooperatives and I think, you know, we got an article coming out when we launch here, when this drops is uh, from one of the world's, you know, renowned turkey biologists. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he refers to these cooperatives as, you know, lights and light bulbs on the landscape. The bur- the, the the brighter they burn, the better the picture looks for the entire landscape. Yep. I mean, the, the bigger and the brighter these bulbs burn, the bigger they get and the more connected the landscapes get. That's how you really start making a difference 
on yeah. a population scale to affect this this game species uh, for generations to come. Because I can tell you right now, the biggest decline decl- uh, reason for decline in, in a lot of these game species and, and even non-game is is habitat loss. Yeah. How do you combat yeah. that? No you doubt. have to be able to connect land in a strategic manner with population growth going on to then be able to to see that in perpetuity and have those populations stay the same if not gain in numbers yeah. talking in with the future talking with Kyle and Frank our our quail guys they uh and he, we have a few quail on our on my family farm and we've done a bunch of different stuff throughout the farm and and they'll be like boy that looks like it have some quail how close is that to where you're seeing the quail oh, oh it's yeah. This many yards, I'm like, oh, well, they're not going to get there. You have to connect. You have to make quality habitat from where you're seeing them now to where that is. Like, because they're not just going to pitch up and fly three quarters of a mile to to go to that other area and then pick up and go. You have to expand upon what's good. You have to expand upon quality habitat to have any kind of impact. Yeah, and without getting into too much, I think that, you know, too much much jargon, you know, with like island biogeography theory. Mm -hmm. All these things come into play from an ecology standpoint Certainly Mm -hmm. on – how are we going to increase this connectivity and and keep these pockets of good habitat if they are a co-op? Let's say they're only a couple hundred acres. Yeah. How do we provide another co-op down the road that's a couple thousand acres that provides a steady source of game animals for all the cooperatives in that general area? I mean, it, it's it's to where you can reduce the blinking in and blinking out of these populations and have a steady population across the landscape. That's what you're trying to combat with that. I Some think, of the, go ahead, Matt. I was going to steer it in a little different direction. Go ahead if you're Okay, so some of that, like this whole working with your neighbor is a mm-hmm. little bit hard for some people, including myself at some points in my life, um, and still with some neighbors. Yeah, yeah. Because there are, s- not every neighbor is a great neighbor. Oh, yeah. Um, but, and it could be for the fact that we just don't understand each other mm-hmm. and we understand our e- each other's mission. But I think some of the big struggles are, working with your neighbors of really trying to figure out if this is what I want to do. What has occurred, and I'll speak a little open honesty here, um, and I'm I'm trying to do it without pointing fingers, but um, over the last, let's say, 30 years, the hunting industry has really grown. Trophy deer management... Mm -hmm is not not the same as QDM management, um, although they get kind of blurred together mm-hmm. a lot. There's a lot of mis- misunderstanding about managing populations. Yeah. And I want to only shoot mature deer has really grown. Um, product endorsements have really grown. And the idea of, you know, Deer Camp has kind of fallen out. Mm-hmm. Deer Camp is not as popular as it used to be. We've talked openly about that in in the podcast that the Deer Camp mentality or the the Deer Camps of old aren't nearly as popular because of, I think, in my opinion, one of the big things is the understanding that to kill a mature deer is more difficult with four wheelers and a whole crew of guys mm-hmm. going out. But what has what that's led to is possibly the decline of hunters now hunters are declining we all know that is it because of this mindset probably a little bit but i don't think into it it. it's a card that's played yes to the secretivity yes hunting leases have gone up Mm -hmm. because people are paying big bucks and so teenage boys aren't able to go get permission to hunt 
so-and-so's farm anymore because they've got it leased out. So we aren't recruiting young hunters into it because they just can't find access. And all that has kind of, if we could sum it up in a one word, a little bit selfish because sure. we're like, let's. I would rather have neighbors who don't hunt. Well, it's not a sustainable model. Model. It's, it's a, a dead end model. highway. Yeah. You can take that highway, and you may go for years and years, but right, at some right point high. that highway ends. Yeah. yeah. And we don't know if that's 2025. We don't know if that's 2022. We don't know if that's 2021 or 2050. Yeah. We don't know. But that highway does end, mm -hmm. and it's a cliff, and and we can't continue down that highway. We have and, to change. And the it. buffalo fell off that cliff. And, <laughs> yes, and 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 so we have to change. Yeah, we have to look ourselves in the mirror and say, okay, let's be honest. As much as I like the idea of having 3,000 acres all to myself and hunt it and get to do my own thing, if hunting's not supported by all hunters putting money into it A and community. through legislation to allow us to continue to hunt and do all that, um, we might find ourselves not being able to do it well, nearly the way we – in, in the same fashion of the way we've done it for the last 50 years. So I'll pick up on that route I was going that kind of coincides there and I'm we're not here to sit you know paint any bleak picture at all that's not the goal the goal is to is to understand the value of what wildlife cooperatives offer mm -hmm. but the one thing that is not changing in the future is land prices are not declining land prices in the last couple of years here locally and and throughout many portions of the country are only getting higher it's getting higher and higher so it is more difficult for individuals or a larger portion of a population to then become a landowner, a private landowner who has that impact through conservation efforts that they want to have. Or continue to buy up your neighboring property. Absolutely, absolutely. You so, may only get 40 acres. You sure. may only get 20 acres. And and, and there's so many people, I, I will say this, there's, there's way more people passionate about making an impact than that can, who can afford that property to have that impact. There's way more people who want to be able to do it than that can afford to do it, and that's that's unfortunate. But that that the answer isn't it. Oh well, I just can't afford. The, I can't afford the land. I can't afford to have that. You know, 200 acre parcel. Well, you could have that impact. You just work collectively. Yeah, you, you buy a 40 acre piece and you work collectively. Also, a large amount of people who want to, but they don't have the knowledge on or the. Uh, the, what's the right word I'm the looking for? They don't have the ability or want to take the risk to take that first step and yeah. do it. They, wanna, they do want that. the education yeah. and they want that push to send them yep. into full-fledged land management or habitat restoration. Well, and and you, need, you need people around you, support, to be able yeah. to do that and guide you and help you. Other landowners may be that resource. Or the other factor, I think, that we're, when we're talking about you know, just opportunity. When you're buying a piece of property, what are you always looking at? The what was the neighborhood like? Yeah. Come on, are we are we kidding? Like, I want to build that neighborhood. I want to like that neighborhood is so important to have and buy into to be able to manage appropriately and do and and experience those things that that hunters land managers all want to experience so we can't we can't just fly by um, or continue to try and manage 
um, in, a, in a solo manner, we have to think of a, a neighborhood, landscape, region, state mindset. It's not just a property by property deal. I think you hit on two important things there, and, and you know, between the two of you, the first one, really looking at falling off that cliff. And like I said, we're not painting a blank picture, but I think that being able to work and and trying to address that, cooperatives will allow you to work with your neighbor in a way that if they're not interested in wildlife or hunting, you're painting a good picture for those that are because you're working with them and saying, we care about not just big deer or not just upland birds, but we care about this as a holistic approach. And then you're able to, you know, make those connections with the community and they still support what you're doing. Yeah. So that's a, an important thing as far as the the overall national support for hunting, I think. Yeah. Um, it's, it's painting a good picture and a, and a, and a, a nice, um, you know, light for for hunting and a hunter and or hunters and managers. Um, and the second thing there is just looking at the neighborhood and um, what you're doing. I think that's something that goes, that, that kind of falls by the wayside of, well, you know, I, we can, I don't know who my neighbors are when I'm buying a piece of property. What happens when, you know, you know, I mean, people go to Pike County, Illinois, because they know, hey, they go to Pike County, Illinois, because they know that, that that's got that big area, deer. That, that area, region. those neighbors, though, that, that kind of general area is known for managing this way. How what about, happens how when you know southern Iowa? Iowa yeah. And just in general, everyone knows southern Iowa. That We're talking region. Be that light bulb in the region. In your county. Yeah, be that. You yeah. Start small, but this builds. And I think that people are sitting back and, and, and are probably thinking, I can't even get there, guys. You realize that there are so many other people, maybe not listening to this podcast, but need to hear this podcast or want to hear the podcast to say, I want that same freaking experience or that opportunity to grow a region. The only way to do it is do it collectively. But you can you can put areas of, of Alabama. You can put areas of southern Ohio, of Indiana, of Mississippi. Put them on the map. You, oh, yeah. You the start, Ozark map. The Ozarks, yeah. as you all talked about yeah. previously. Yeah. yeah. You can yeah. put areas that, 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 that fall by the wayside, that don't have the, the media attention, that um, don't, on average, let's say, produce the same quality, you start putting collectives and co-ops together, watch out. Go listen to the other podcasts this week, because yes. we're sitting on a farm in the Ozark Mountains. We're sitting on a major gravel bar here in the creek. Now, there's rocks Wait, everywhere Waiting on a breeze. <laughs> yeah, waiting <laughs> on a breeze, yeah. <laughs> it got stale yeah, around got here. Sure um, but this farm, if, if you were to take Seth's last six years and look at all his harvest just in just in whitetail deer yes and you were to show them to anybody in the country they'd say like wow this guy's got quite the collection where's he at southern iowa nope ozark mountains and i promise you the land's a whole lot cheaper where he's at versus those other places you mentioned 100 percent. and what seth will say is that when he started this really trying to let young deer walk and really manage a habitat and this this one's got great forest management going on around here great diversity his neighbors have have picked up on that and his neighbors are like absolutely i know if i pass that deer or i do this i'm helping because we're all in this together they're a free pass on that farm and they're headed there and i don't want to set makes a a silly uh comparison but we're all in this in this boat together when Mm -hmm. it comes to habitat management even though sometimes it feels like we're not you get your neighbors on board with it, and you want to talk about feeling inspired and know that you're making an impact and you're making a difference in your neighborhood, 
and then you get to set and rein in with all the other co-ops in the country that are doing it, that's something. When we can all rest assured knowing that we're doing something good, we're not just talking, but we're actually putting habitat on the ground. Yeah. That's that's habitat exciting. Habitat on the ground in a scale collectively. And I don't want to say that it's not happening now because oh, it you, is. You, yeah. it's it's 100% happening now. There's not a voice and a collaboration opportunity for those who are doing it now and for those who want to start, hopefully after this podcast, want to start doing it. There there hasn't been that, that opportunity to collectively put all of this together. So I, I think, Hunter, it's important that you take a second to say, hey, here are some success stories that are happening right now, current day, Talk about maybe some of the explosion of growth and some of the the sample size that you yeah. have. Um, I, I think of the states of like Michigan, Georgia, Alabama, these areas, Pennsylvania, Missouri. Pennsylvania. Yeah. Missouri. We're Missouri. here in Missouri. Yeah. yeah, huge areas, thousands and thousands and thousands of acres collectively. For sure. Working. So I think you know if anybody listened to the previous podcast yes. we did on the research that I completed from a master's at, at UGA, we it was it was. With cooperatives, correct. Um, you know, with in partnership with the QDMA and, and Fish and Wildlife Service, and looking at these QDM co-ops, and so really a lot of my my experience is going to be with deer co-ops, obviously. Sure. With that, but you know, we had I've seen cooperatives. I started a cooperative when I was younger at my parents' uh-huh. house. We only owned thirty acres. You started it. I, I started. I mean, knocked on the door, knocked yep. on my neighbor. He's you know fifty five years old, and I'm twelve years old. Hey, sir. And hey, uh, hey, sir. <laughs> and it all stemmed because you know I I wanted to be able to harvest. A bigger deer than a spike or a four-pointer, yeah, and, and yeah, it just yeah. slowly grew which, as we grew with the property. Which who doesn't? Yeah, at whatever I mean, age. And even as a nine or ten-year-old, you know, you're, you're, you're you harvest your first deer, and you sure. you know you always try to want to you know yeah. harvest a bigger deer, and that's just as as part of you know it's kind of almost innate in some hunters. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's kind of their it's growth and maturity. yeah, grow, growth in your in your hunting um, your hunting adventure. And I think that if you look at Georgia, that we, we've grown that it's taken twelve years, but. We're at twelve hundred acres. Mm-hmm. We went from thirty acres to twelve hundred acres, and and we have very small land parcels. Sure, um, comparatively to a lot of parts of the United States. But there's other parts of Georgia, South Georgia, mm-hmm. just that I've interacted with co-ops personally. They're at ten thousand acres. Yeah, twenty three thousand acres. Yeah, and these are, are I, th- contiguous I think you, you showed blocks. a picture. Twenty three thousand acres, South Georgia, hundred and eighty inch deers killed. Yeah, yeah. Was, it, they they had a hundred eighty inch deer that got to six and a half. They named Christmas tree, I think, because uh-huh. he had so many stickers. Um, that they harvested, and it was it was like all the cooperative members came around, and took a picture with that deer because they had yeah. history with it. Mm-hmm. And you know, we currently have more mature deer on our twelve hundred acre co op than we've ever seen. I mean, yeah. it was it was a it was a tall task to be able to see a two and a half, right, or even a three and a half. We thought a three and a half that was you know we hit a home run. Sure. Yeah. And now, 12 years later, we're sitting in a totally different situation. I think with the research I could really highlight, you know, this is not just happening. We, we took a subsample of states, Georgia, mm-hmm. Texas, Missouri, New York, Michigan, states that had cooperative specialists, that had yeah. these things, th- these active platforms and, and conservation um, connections, mm-hmm. and kind of try to document them. But there's people all across the United States that, that know – that they want to start a cooperative, they have one, and they just weren't in one of those states. And we documented 200,000 acres in co-ops across the four states of Georgia, New York, Michigan, and Missouri. Texas had 400,000 acres just in their private lands program that was in cooperatives. I mean, yeah. Texas, everything's bigger in Texas. But sure. It's, uh, so that was two ranches? <laughs> yeah. yeah no. I mean, they had like 80,000 acre cooperatives yeah. in Texas. Right. right. So, I mean, w- between, I think we had eight, and it was mm-hmm. 400,000 acres. So, sure. 
um, I think that's that's where you can really see the, the biggest impacts. And it's not just deer. I mean, in, in Missouri, there's quail cooperatives that mm-hmm. the state helps with. There's yep. wildlife. That's kind of a goal on their state level. But there's never been a national voice for advocation mm-hmm. for these cooperatives, advocating for forming them, and then actually following through and, and, and providing something um, tangible for these cooperatives to, to have a platform nationally and, and interact. Yeah. Sorry, that's me readjusting <laughs> uh, my seat here in the gravel bar. Lack of seat. Lack of seat. Yeah, that rock was not getting... <laughs> it's it situated all funky now. Very uncomfortable. <laughs> um, man, and, and that's something that is, for, for the guys, our, our listeners, our clients, who, what's, what's exciting for us? Where are we coming at it from it? Because you've created this National Wildlife Cooperative, and, and what we're coming at it from is going, okay... We have a lot of clients across 28 states that have kind of, blink, that was a light bulb turning on because they've gone in and done a bunch of work on native habitat to where, you know, we had a guy ride in a couple weeks ago where he's now seeing quail on his place. Well, there's a lot of old timers who love the idea of bringing the quail back. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, this is what I did to get quail on my place. Let's go do it on yours. And all of a sudden you get six half a dozen half a dozen landowners around you that are starting to do the same thing now you start building that population out um, or it could be turkeys to where we all every one of our clients who have started implementing the plan they're turning the light bulb on to where we have instead of just food plots instead of just mineral instead of just feeders instead of just trail cameras all the stuff that typically falls into habitat management in that outdoor world mm-hmm. is now old field management pollinator plantings Timber stand improvement. Timber stand improvement. Prescribed fire. Young forest yep. openings. Prescribed fire. All these things. And, uh, that now they can be the, the light bulb that all the other neighbors or the people in the neighborhood can look at and say, okay, how did you do that? And now I'm going to do it on my place. Yeah. So, so and that those, guy can then help them do it. Yeah. All those listening right now, that was your charge. That was your, your kick in the rear. Go out and do it. Yeah. Start that conversation. We've seen it. I mean, if you look at Michigan, for example, uh-huh. with CWD, sure. they 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 have a great they they have a great kind of conservation channel, you know, uh-huh. way to disseminate information. They use these cooperatives to help with CWD, mm-hmm. to help with testing. Sure. So it's not just cons- you know conservation on the ground, active management, but just conservation in general. Absolutely. Having an alliance of people that are on the landscape that then can take the charge, like you're saying, and implement something. Think about the efficiency of saying, for example, Missouri says, we have this problem. We want to address it this way. All right, work with the National Wildlife Cooperative, and we'll get them out there. Or, or, yeah. or, or even you know, another state, for example. Uh, that, that's I'll, the, I'll use two examples, hot topic here. And yeah. I'm not saying the co-op would do this, but I know I'm going to get a lot of Missouri guys that go, ding, ding, dings, I'll sign up. Where do I sign? Yeah. You take a, a, a large amount of landowners, land in Missouri, and you say, they all say, we want rifle season moved out of the rut. Oh, gosh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they would all sign up, and they'd sign up 20 of their buddies because yeah. that's every, uh, almost every conversation you can have with a with a pretty serious deer hunter in Missouri is going to say, that's what they got to do. But in Pennsylvania, you get a large group of people who get behind and say, we want legislation to make it where we can use prescribed fire to manage our land. For sure. And now we're getting somewhere. Yeah, you, you've got boots on the ground. You've got acres accounted for. You have the people who are implementing these techniques 
that now have the voice to be able to say, this is what we want and what we need. And it's not just operating in a silo. That's the thing that I think that everybody, like, you know, you can advocate for one thing and one species or whatever. Oh, well, that's just that group. That's just that group. No, it's not. This is landowners. This is landowners from all different walks of life, of all different property sizes. But, But the key is the collectiveness and the ability and the willingness to say, reach across the daggum fence line and say, let's do it together. Yep. We're doing this together because the collaboration is going to make a difference. You can't, you can't, there is strength in numbers, like you said earlier. So, so you have to be able to collaborate to be able to have that strength, provide it and make your voice heard of what needs to happen. And then you have all the proof in the world about, Hey, I, I am doing this. Yeah. We're, we're doing this. You need to come see it because my success is just an illustration of, you know, the next county over, there's six other guys doing this stuff. Mm-hmm. Because who knows better for the land than the person on the, the land. land? Yep. Yeah. I've seen this problem too often of a person who's making decisions for that piece of ground or those animals or those plants that haven't seen it in a year or maybe have never seen it. Mm-hmm. And and this is not a political rant. This is what's best for the land because I believe land conservation is it, it should have the respect above any political action. Yep. There should be people and it is the cooperative members who know what's best for the land. Oh yeah. And whether it be Matt and I and and you Hunter that are helping them find the best tools or the best practices to get there, but they know what's best. And it's not somebody sitting in a state capitol or behind a desk somewhere that's saying, oh, yeah, you go do it this way. Well, that way doesn't necessarily work here. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I think that that's where. That sounds a little pointed, doesn't it? Was, oh. I, was that a little stern? It was a little Didn't step little on bit. my toes. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm all right. Well, no, it, it, you, you own the land. Yeah. Private landowners own vast amount of huge majority percentage of land across the country this is the charge this is the time to take ownership and take the responsibility of that ownership to make the difference i I think this is a perfect segue too i mean a lot of people are going to say okay they've probably been sitting here this entire time saying okay national the national wildlife cooperative national wildlife cooperative what you know this is brand new what is it and how is it, you know, I'm going to join, but what do I get? Yeah, know, yeah, yeah. What is? What does it cost me? It doesn't cost you anything. This is a... F- f- free? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it, it, And it's, not one of those free things that no. doesn't bring value. No, sure. what, uh, what we are, what the goal here is, is to document these, these landowners. Because they are doing so much for wildlife conservation that goes unnoticed, undocumented, flies under the radar, and... When you te- when you go and you say I'm advocating for X, Y, or Z, and we have this many acres, we have this many landowners, you actually have a lot of strength in numbers of people that have boots on the ground and have seen it and have been working on it, just like a lot of your clients. Yeah. So I think that's uh, one of those things. And it, what this is going to be a 100% any money that's made off of merchandise or off of signs mm-hmm. or anything like that goes right back into the organization. It's zero profit. Yeah, I mean, just literally bare bones. Not a dime goes into. You know, extremely efficient, extremely streamlined to go back to the mission with the landowners yep. on the ground. But there's not like a membership fee, though. No, 
No. You just sign up. You you become you basically are are enrolling your property and cooperative as a part of the National Wildlife, Wildlife Cooperative. cooperative. Yep. 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 And Matt and I are working and trying to find ways to make uh to make it to where you know if they're signing up with with you, yep. but then at the same time they're looking to maybe for assistance. L- yep. Assistance. Mm-hmm. It's you think about like our rate to get there. Okay. Um, how do you, how do we manage a cooperative? It could be Matt and I both go and we tour as many acres in that day as we can, and we give a more. If it's a large enough piece, we stay the whole weekend, split up, conquer and divide, come back yeah. collectively, and put some and, amazing management plans together. For and and a our fee is is broken up with however many landowners there are. Yeah, yeah, and and that's our kind of boots on the ground, really trying to get this going, mm-hmm. um, and and build these because we believe in them wholeheartedly. As in fact. We'll listen to the other podcast. Yeah, and I think I think this is a good time as far as you know y'all your buy-in and what you're doing to help. I think that you know we have other people that are also buying in the mm-hmm. industry, including you know Huntera Maps. Yeah, you know, going to give a discount to try to help provide yep. maps to cooperatives to show where these are. Sure. If yeah. you register your cooperative, so there's a there's a incentive uh, incentive to be able to document where these are, yep. know where they're at from a conservation standpoint. And, and then they'll be giving some back to the, to the mission mm-hmm. um, to mm-hmm. help promote it. So I think that – and then we also have uh, Hortonstein Ranch Company out of Texas that's really helping from a digital side, mm-hmm. um, providing a lot of content as well as, as expertise from a, a large landowner, large ranch landowner kind of background. Um, yeah. So it's, it's a cooperative effort even on the, co- the National yeah, Wildlife absolutely. Cooperative to, ch- to try to push this. Why, yeah. why, why, why not use it for the perfect illustration of people working together for the common cause for sure. of wildlife yeah. benefits? Yeah. So, I mean, it, there's, there's no other or, or better way to be able to do that. And, um, you know, seeing is believing. We're not just two guys behind or three guys behind a microphone. You know, this is saying what should be done. This is implementation, too, and you'll hear about that. Um, on the other podcast. So definitely take, there's a breeze. Woo! Yep. Um, definitely take time to be able to listen to that and see just locally what what our efforts are going to look like. Um, and oh and I, buddy, I don't think that ready. it can be. Mm-hmm. I don't, Hold on tight Yeah, is all I have to say. I don't I don't think that um, I, I just our area you. is any better than or, or worse than anybody else's at I, all no, from a potential and, and standpoint. It could be as far as. You kind of are all working together because there's a group of outlaws who are a poaching problem, and you're sure. working together to stop it. Right. It could be buying a uh, a whole cluster of prescribed fire gear, and you all start burning together. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's the the list is endless, but we know that you're going to have a much bigger impact when you're working with your neighbors because instead of managing scale. just your farm, you're now managing your neighborhood. What's not to love about that? There are some things that people like sharing the deer pictures. That's mm-hmm. not required. Nope. But it's certainly. You'll um, f- you will find that is far beneficial. Yeah. Far more beneficial. Yeah, and I think a lot of people may, you know, I get this all the time. I think I talked to you all about this earlier today. You know, what happens when, oh, well, we've got a couple mature bucks and somebody else shoots one that may not be on the cooperative or maybe just a new member? Use that as an example to grow. Yeah, I mean, look at it as okay. It's they know the what's pudding. here. He does it twice in a row, then all the other neighbors band together and you high fence him out. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. <laughs> but I think that that's connectivity, Adam. Connectivity. <laughs> but no, I think that's one of those areas that we can really looking at this as we started with this podcast from a bright, you know, like from a, a visionary, you know, upbeat, um, not doom and gloom. Like yeah. you know, re- your neighbor's not a bad person. You know, no. we, may, we may think it right now, but yeah. they're not. 
Yeah. And uh, you have more in common than you think. And I think that that is a, a great way to to really push you know the National Wildlife Cooperative on a local scale because this is grassroots. This is landowner driven on the local landscape there to connect you you know locally but also nationally ideas opinions and and finances are for local use yep um when you show up or like matt and i show up it's it's regionally based management and uh it's not the same in it's not the same in northern missouri as it is in southern missouri no uh, the management's different and it's sh- it, the local landowners know that more and better than anyone and it shouldn't be, you shouldn't be basing your management out of a different region. No, and I think this is where y'all come in again. I mean, looking at habitat, you know, habitat management. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, using equipment for plow lines for prescribed fire, whether yep. it is timber stand improvement, which we hit on earlier, mm-hmm. or it is uh, some cooperative habitat project that's on a field that has a property line running through it. And you have both of you want to do something about that. Yep. You know, and it's not just half the field that gets put in, yep. whether it's with a, a government agency, with NRC, as some, you know, some program, you yep. can then work together and try to get more, or, you know. Or th- with us, it's, you know, blind, uh, a blind order where each landowner yes. is buying a blind and it's, and it's, we can get better pricing because of that. Yep. Um, or it's a seed order. Yep. Uh, everybody knows shipping seed is expensive, but if you're all sharing that cost, it gets a lot cheaper. We got that working right now. Or better yet, uh, if if you're a big cluster of people, you become a dealer, uh, sure. especially like with Stratton. You become a dealer to where now your 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 cooperative could make money on selling it to people outside of the outside of the co-op. And not just that, but think about back to your last podcast with mm-hmm. the guy that was a non-resident landowner from Georgia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That situation, even in that podcast, he said, hey, my neighbor was looking out for my property. Yes, he was. Think about having 10 or 15 neighbors that are looking out for your property, not just for deer, but for wildlife in general. They can say, hey, your bridge is out. You're what? If you you will, your resource is his resource, and his resource is your resource. So if you have those eyeballs looking after yours with the same interest— and same level of seriousness care, yeah. and care, you can't tell me you can't find benefit in that. No, no, and it's a great way to make those those relationships with your with your local landowners that that are invaluable. And I mean, just and it starts with a simple conversation. Yes, yep. could be a fish fry in August. Yeah, I mean, I think I've said on the last podcast the best advice I got, and it's going to be one of the articles coming out on on this on the National Wildlife Cooperative. Food. Yeah, well, you know, I can spend four hundred dollars and feed 60 people and make an impact on 20,000 acres overnight. Or I can spend $400 on a trail camera and maybe make a little bit of an impact on me seeing a deer that year. Yeah. So I think that it's just changing the narrative and the way you have to look at a situation. feeding them steaks out there. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, even even hot dogs, hamburgers, fish fry, whatever. Yeah. And and the camaraderie that comes from that. and That just being all around good time. Yeah. And and then they know that you're not a bad person. Hey, it grows the community, it grows families, it it provides opportunities on a social level in small towns, yeah. big towns, whatever it may be, and it also provides for the wildlife. So why are these not more widespread? Why are we not documenting them where they are? Yeah. And why are they not used for conservation dissemination to the landowner that has the most skin in the game? Oh, yeah. At the end of the day. Oh, yeah. So... 
what's the best course of action? Like, if if you're talking directly to a landowner right now, what do they do to get involved? Follow, go to the website, uh, www.nationalwildlifecoop.com. C-O-O. Uh, C-O-O-P. No dash. Yep. And uh, go there, and you'll be able to get information mm-hmm. to help if you to help this journey if you're trying to start a cooperative it'll help you gain information if you already have a cooperative okay um, on how they're affecting wildlife and and how you can manage your property um in a cooperative manner better um and then you know we'll continue to do that i think we're going to try to you know re-up those about you know quarterly sure. um, providing high quality content from some of the best uh co-op people out there in, in wildlife management and, and landscape management and then uh you know purchase uh help support the mission as far as just keeping this thing going uh with with merchandise um that all goes 100 percent back to um goes back to the organization and is spent on the organization to continue to 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 grow it and grow its reach and then um you know sign up to be an actual member so sign up and send a send a uh send an email to national wildlife co-op at gmail.com and say, hey, we have a co-op, or hey, I'm I'm wanting to start one, and then we enter you into this data, this national database, and we can keep track of where you're at, what you're doing, and that allows you to have strength in numbers by actually being on the radar for conservation. I think there's a tab on your website. There is. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, being able to do that and and really grow um, and document cooperatives that that's kind of the the goal here is is document them, make sure that they are kind of out out from behind the the shadow of of what is happening on the landscape mm-hmm. and and brought to the forefront for what they're doing um so i think that's that's the easiest way you know send us in to be able to be part of this cooperative if you already have one you got to send in a map um you know show us where they're at um it won't be it's not going to be sent out to anybody it's not published it's not information. published information um but we have to have it you know to be able to you know, if we want to provide benefits like for the Huntera map or sure. for other things like that. So so send us in your map, you know, a point of contact, um, how many acres you have, name, that kind of stuff, and we'll be able to document you and then, uh, you know, send information directly to you if we have something going on in your area. Mm-hmm. And we'll be able to uh, offer, you know, in the future, offer discounts and, and deals, kind of like the Huntera one. Sure. Um, they're, that'll, that'll benefit a cooperative. So I think oh, that yeah. that's... That's kind of where we're going there. Again, and strength in numbers. Yes. You can save yep. collectively a ton, a ton. I mean, I think that's We're going to be working fantastic. on our clients. Yep. Past clients. Um, I don't know why I encouraging. say past. Just clients of ours that we've worked with over the last couple of years to uh, encourage them. And, and we've already got great feedback from them. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to be working with them, probably doing uh, follow-up site visits to host speaking seminar-ish yep. type events. Um, helping neighbors of theirs to improve. Um, at the same time, you know. So if you if you're a listener and you're and and you like what we said, also you could also send us an email to us at info at lanalegacy dot tv um, to kind of allow us to help you as well. Uh, yeah, we're, in we're this, all in this together. Yeah, we're all in it together. The the, the goal is to improve uh, improve the landscape across the country uh, for all wildlife, and so. And by doing that, we grow healthy populations, healthy landscapes, and hopefully we grow the hunting community. Yeah, and we, and we definitely provide something that's missing. I think yes. that's that's the the missing link, Yeah, albeit to, to, to wildlife conservation, of actually being there on the ground representing those landowners in the way they want to be represented. 
Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's that's key, I think. I think. I think a vast majority of landowners want to be recognized for their conservation efforts. Yes. And not and maybe even not just labeled just just. Here's a something hunter. you ought to do. We've talked about it, and we haven't done it yet because we're too daggum busy. It seems like to to sit down and actually do it, but. I've always wanted to give awards to our clients for the best work yep. over the last year. But you ought to award co-ops, like each year, award co-op um, with whatever. Who knows what the award is? Maybe it's some stupid-looking plaque that they maybe can we'll all donate plaz something. around. That's a great yeah. idea. That's and, a great idea. Or maybe maybe that co-op for their good work, um, I, I guess if they're doing great work, they don't really need us. But maybe we donate a consultation, mm-hmm. and Matt will go wherever it is in the country <laughs> Um, on his own time. You're not going to go. Right. Uh, no. Yeah, <laughs> he <right>. volunteered. <laughs> and so something like that, that to encourage people yeah. to to uh, to do the work. Yeah. No. I, and, and, you know, y'all have seen, the, seen this and it, the, the website drops today. But I think that, uh, you know, we're going to highlight two co-ops a year, one every six months on the website. Mm-hmm. So if you have one, you're already on the landscape. You're doing great work. Um, you know, I know of quite a few in Georgia and the ones that run our research, but if you're doing great work and you have photos, uh, show us what you're doing. Um, you know, give us, you know, your, your testimony and we'll highlight it, give you a free t-shirt and a decal. Um, and we're going to do two a year here to begin with until we grow our ranks as far as uh, numbers of cooperatives and highlight them in that way. And then, you know, I think I like the idea of giving a, giving an award for, you know, co-op of the year. That's a great idea going forward. All I got to say is take the first step. Yep. Send the yep. email. Get started. There's there's not a better time to be able to get started and make the difference that you want to make. Work collectively. It's not daunting. It's 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 really not a, a, a task of beyond open lines of communication among neighbors. Like, what, what's the worst that's going to happen? Take the first steps. Begin to grow it, and get going on the massive improvements and potential that you have working as a collective that's going to only make an impact on the the boundaries of your property but locally we're talking county region statewide then national uh, presence in conservation yeah no it, it, it has the potential to be that big my my i guess to wrap this up, yep. and I know Hunter, you got. We want you to say something, but my last remarks would be: take a breath. Twenty twenty's been tough, but there's positives to take from this, and there's not a better time to reach out a helping hand to a neighbor and build that relationship, and start out uh, and start out that relationship on a positive note. And end this 2020 year on a positive note of going, whew, it started out slow, but now we're all going to join hands, lock arms, and we're going to fix this landscape that has gotten bad. We're going to fix it together, and we're going to build something special for future generations to enjoy. No, I think you, you hit on the nail on the head, and it, it all goes back to the landowner taking pride in their land, as yep. y'all, know, y'all well yep. know, and wanting to leave it better than they found it through working with a neighbor. It, it, it stems being, you know, there's so many different aspects to cooperatives, the social dynamics, the, the wildlife management, the landscape management, all these things that go into it, and then they can be different at every cooperative. But we're here to help them all. We're here, you know, it does not matter if you're focusing on pollinator habitat in northern Missouri and native grasses or you're focusing on growing trophy deer in south Georgia. 
Yeah. You know, or or just trying to get a deer to three and a half in New York. Or you're trying to suck some of those elk out of yeah. the focus yeah. area in Missouri <laughs> yeah. over to your. It, farm. It, it doesn't matter what you're. We're here for all wildlife uh, cooperatives, not just a single type. Yep. Um, we're here for every interest. Yeah. And I think that is w- a unifying message that yes. is is very. Um, it's not always out there, especially this year. Yeah. And I think that is is where we can excel and grow and be a, a light for a lot of landowners that uh, may have felt like their voices shrunk. Yep. And they will be able to be a part of something nationally that that they can mold into whatever they want to make it into. And yeah. it represents their wants on their land, and they make the impact in their backyard with their neighbor, um, not uh, in a, a state capital or D.C. or something. So I think I think that's the that's the unifying message, and it is a streamlined, efficient, boots on the ground with the landowners, um, you know, message that I think will will really resonate with a lot of your clients, your listeners. Yep. And I'll, I'll leave you with this. I mean, the, the we look at what's happening around us in the landscape from a, a landscape <coughs> loss, a yeah. biodiversity decreasing, invasives encroaching. We see all these negatives happening, but work together, and we're going to be all right. We're, we're yeah. going to accomplish a heck of a lot more than we would have otherwise. Without, so without doing it by yourself, you're going to lose. You're going to lose some battles. You're going to get frustrated, and hopefully, you don't lose your passion. But you risk that. I th- yep. I think this encompasses all those. And simply put, it's the future of wildlife management. This is mm-hmm. how we're going to have to manage our landscapes. If not, we're going to see major declines in species. And it's up to us to be the boots on the ground, the landowners, the managers, to make that yep. difference and to to turn that ship. We don't want to be talking about turkeys the same way we the, talk about quail now days. we don't right. want to be talking about deer the way we talk about quail yeah. now we don't want to be talking about whatever species the way we talk about the bison herds of, of the just, past yeah the, the the different ranges that elk now can only occupy yeah. we're, we're, we're talking changes massive changes Massive that, that, size, that, big that changes. Yeah. When in, and although it may only be a hundred acres or four fifty acres, to where initially that's what you start out with, that could be the bullseye for the whole target. Absolutely. Where people see that and they say, "I want that," and then all of a sudden you just start expanding upon it. So it's exciting times in the world of wildlife. It and, is. And it, I hope everybody listens to this podcast and gets excited and says, "Thrilled! It's time. Let's let's fix what we've been screwing up, and let's let's get the chainsaws, or let's get the neighbors. Let's have us a nice little meeting, fish fry, bow hunters feast is coming yeah. back, baby. <laughs> and uh, we're gonna get together and we're gonna talk about this and we're gonna fix the problems right here at home." Because that's where I have to start. Yeah. If you want to fix society, you have to start fix what's come, what's going on at home. Yep. There's no and doubt. and so we're fixing what's going on at home in our neighborhood right now with with our habitat. Very well said. So get online. National Wild Co-op, Wildlife Co-op dot com. Register and then go talk to some neighbors. For go, sure. Go make it For happen. Sure. Www. dot com. I want National Wildlife Cooperative. Feels good to say it. Yeah. Um, get it out there after two years of, of <laughs> behind the scenes working with y'all. Y'all been there every step of the way, so I appreciate the, the support. And I, I can't we wait to see what it turns hush. into. Yeah, we did. Good for us. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, 
We've been hinting at it for weeks, though. We, we have been hinting <laughs> at it. We, we, we revealed we cracked the can when we did the podcast not long ago uh, with you, Hunter. But um, now here it is. The can is, is wide open. Go get it. I hope you're inundated and flooded with emails. Man, we're running 100 miles an hour. Yep. We're going we're gonna to take uh, full steam ahead and try to put the voice back with the landowner and make a difference across this landscape for wildlife. I think that's that's exciting. For sure. That's good, guys. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Go yep, check thanks, us guys. out. Uh, shoot Hunter an email. Shoot us an email. Let's get this party started. Yep.